Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. From KCBS Radio, I'm Matt Pittman, and this is Bay Current for Wednesday, March 2nd. On our 245th year as a nation, I've come to report on the state of the nation, the state of the union. And my report is this. The state of the union is strong because you, the American people, are strong. It's the day after President Joe Biden delivered his first State of the Union address and here to help us break it down and understand what comes next for a president facing crises both at home and abroad from all different directions is KCBS political reporter Doug Sovereign. Doug, your quick initial takeaways from the speech as you heard it. General takeaways, I thought it was a pretty strong speech. It was longer than I thought it would be. Um, You know, 62 minutes is how I clocked it. Um, I didn't think he'd go quite that long. I didn't think he would get quite so granular on domestic policy uh, because he didn't have a whole lot of new things to propose, but he reviewed a lot of things that have been stalled in Congress and and exhorted Congress to pass them. But uh, overall, for Biden, I thought it was pretty strong. We don't expect, you know, high-stirring oratory from him, but um, (laughs) I, I thought he delivered it fairly strongly and it went over well. How much impact it'll actually have, that remains to be seen. Also, you know, I will note, Matt, he began with foreign policy. I've been doing this a long time. I do not remember a president ever beginning a State of the Union with foreign policy. And he devoted the first 12 minutes of this speech by my clock to Ukraine and Russia, which is extraordinary. But obviously, that is the issue most people were tuning in to hear about. And it's the number one topic in the world right now. Yeah. I mean, I think that the calculus had to have changed in the last six days, right? Um, to, to address that. Yeah, I wouldn't that. want to be his speechwriter having to rip up what they had before and start over. <laughs> hey, they get uh, paid well to do it. But, um, <laughs> you know, he had to do that. And, yes. you know, personally, I was I, I found it pretty moving, uh, a lot of what he had to say um, in support of the Ukraine people. Uh, very moving when the Ukraine ambassador to the United States was in the chamber. That was a, a pretty uh, special moment with uh, First Lady... Dr. Jill Biden up there uh, embracing the ambassador. Um, yeah, that was powerful, and we figured it would be. Right, right. Now, one thing you mentioned uh, was getting granular on the domestic agenda. And I agree. I, I was surprised at how much he was able to work in talking points about yeah. his domestic agenda. Agenda, And I think that that's one of the problems that this administration has had with referring to the programs by their, their name, the, you know, uh, um, 
American build Recovery Act, the right. Build Back yeah, yeah. Better. He talked more about specifics of his agenda. Yeah, I mean, Joe Biden has always cast himself as a regular Joe, an ordinary Joe from Scranton who took the train back and forth every day from Wilmington and not a rich guy, blue collar guy. Uh, but he's also very much a, a man of Washington. He's been there forever. I mean, I remember meeting him when he was a freshman senator. That That's 45 years ago. That's how long he's been there. Doug, that's Longer a long, that. long time ago. I was about to say. Yeah, I mean, I, I met him when I was in college, and he was a, in his first term. So that I mean, that's almost 50 years ago. Wow. Uh, when, that, when, when he started. Uh, it was almost 50 years ago. Uh, I'm not that old, but, but, but uh, I'm pretty old. But... but um, I do think he's gotten away from that a little bit in terms of, of connecting with the American people. And what's interesting in this speech, he said, my plan will do this. My plan's going to cut the cost of childcare. My plan, as if there were some new plan that he was proposing in this speech that people will go, oh, yeah, I like that plan. I'll vote for that. You know, this is not a campaign speech. He's already in office. He's been there a year. This is the plan he's talking about is the Build Back Better Act. It's elements of his domestic agenda that have not passed in Congress, things that Congress allowed to expire, like the expanded child tax credit last year, which did a lot to drive down child poverty. And now that's gotten worse again as people aren't getting those checks anymore the last few months. So a lot of this was things that are already in place or were defeated or stalled as opposed to some expansive new plan. And he never said, he didn't really say in the speech that that's what, that, that was the case. It was sort of implied that he was proposing something new. And I bet if you asked voters who didn't know better, they would probably say, oh, I like this new plan. Yeah, let's do that. Because it was things that most people support. I mean, who who does not support raising? Well, some people don't, but raising the minimal minimum wage. Uh, you know, having universal pre-K, giving poor people more money, making childcare cheaper. I mean, most people are gonna say, yeah, that sounds good to me. Well, you ask the question, who doesn't support? Fill in the blank. It, you know, I, I can't say that I'm surprised that you know Republicans sat for most of the speech, didn't stand and, and applause. But you're right. There were moments. There were moments where it was, hey, let's we're going to bring people out of poverty. We're going to give people tax credits for improving their homes to be more energy efficient. And he just he got no love from the other side. That's not a surprise. I think Republicans are are pretty unified in their anti-Biden message, right? Yeah, I mean, just as they were when when Obama was president. I mean, the polarization is such now that uh, there isn't much you can do. I mean, you can. He did pass the infrastructure bill, and he talked in his speech about. They said we, you know, you can't achieve bipartisanship. Look, I've done it, and I'll do it again. Uh, but the fact is, uh, the way you get to some of these things, maybe through higher taxes, and the Republicans don't support that. Um, or certainly not the taxes that the Democrats want to pass. Uh, and it's just very difficult in this climate, and I don't know when it's going to change. It's been this way for a generation now, um, to, to achieve consensus and bipartisanship. I mean, you can go back to Bill Clinton. 30 years ago, he didn't get a single Republican vote to, to reduce the deficit and balance the budget. And he got it through anyway, and we haven't had a balanced budget since his administration. So uh, it's very difficult to get... You know, people are so... Um, stuck on their politics and their partisanship and not looking at the bigger picture, it's very hard to move one side to the other. When he talks about things like inflation, and he, and he I thought, did a pretty decent job of kind of giving us the inflation for dummies tutorial. Like, yeah. okay, we had this pandemic. We had to shut down factories. When you shut down factories, people don't go to factories to produce goods. When produ goods don't get produced, they don't get delivered to stores. And then the supply exactly. chain backlog starts. He, did a, you know, he, he explained that pretty clearly. He explained 
very clearly that his administration has cut the national deficit in half. Uh, will have with within you know the first year and change of his uh, administration, and and those are all things that Republicans are hammering him on, and will continue to hammer him and Democrats on in this midterm year, and then going into uh, the twenty twenty four year. Did he make any ground in improving that 36, 38% approval rating that came out earlier this week, uh, where right now he is in the absolute low of lows. He's in Trump approval rating territory right now. Did he do anything tonight to improve that for himself? Maybe. I'll, you know, I'll point out the CBS News poll out today has him at 44%, and he's been there, 43, 44, for the last few months. So, you know, different polls. Uh, I, I think if you average them nationally, he's around 40, 41, uh, which is low. I mean, the only president lower coming into his first State of the Union in history since polling began is Donald Trump, who was, mm-hmm. you know, uh, just hated by so many Americans, he was never, never could even get to fifty percent. The difference is that Biden has plunged from being in the fifties and near sixty to just in the low forties now, uh, because people sort of tune him out and they're blaming him for everything. Does he deserve the blame for inflation? You know that that's a, a separate debate. But as you say, he made a really good case explaining how and I won't go over it again because you just did, but why we have this inflation. And then he presented his plan for for solving it, which essentially was build more things in America and everybody buy more things from America. Then we have a shorter supply chain. We put people back to work. That's a nice idea in the abstract. I don't know concretely how quickly that really brings down the price of milk and bread at the store, let alone gas, which is another uh, set of... uh, scenarios as to what's causing that. Um, But as far as whether it's going to make a difference, I mean, the problem is these speeches tend to be watched, but mostly by people from the president's own party. So probably Mm -hmm. two thirds of Democrats watch this thing tonight, but maybe 20% of Republicans bothered to watch it. They don't care what Joe Biden says. They're not going to listen and they're not going to agree. The same, the, the reverse would be true. Inverse would be true if Trump were president. A lot of Republicans would watch and many Democrats wouldn't bother. So a lot of people aren't going to hear what he said or aren't going to know what he said. They may see and hear media coverage over the next couple of days. And if it's mostly positive, if they hear strong, bold, ambitious Biden lays out agenda, they might, you know, maybe he ticks up a point or two, but I would not expect much of a bounce from this. I really think what's going to have to happen here is um, he's got to find a way to improve the messaging. As you said, he's got to connect with people and not come off as an old, tired man, which, you know, he is almost 80. Uh, and he, which, and although I thought he was very strong in this speech, um, and he's got, you know, inflation's got to stop going up. It's got to at least level off, if not come down. Gas prices cannot hit five or six bucks a gallon. They're already at over five bucks in many parts of the Bay Area. But yeah. nationally, they can't, they can't get to four or five around the country. Ukraine has to go well. The pandemic has to continue to get better. I mean, this is what he needs more than a strong speech that people actually watch. He needs people to feel like things are getting better and going the right way. Because right now, in that CBS poll, 68% of Americans said things are going badly in this country. You mentioned uh, the pandemic. I th- I thought that he did a, a decent job in distilling where we are versus where we've been. And obviously, as we're in year three, I mean, that's the trajectory has been brutal for all of us, every single one of us in this country. But, um, you know, he very plainly spoke that masks are coming off. Children are in school and they're staying in schools. And then uh, talking about ordering the, the COVID pill, uh Right. Sending more tests out to people. If you want more tests than the first four you got, go online next week and you can order more. And 
in short order, you'll be able to walk into, the president said in the State of the Union, you'll be able to walk into a pharmacy, get a COVID test, and if you test positive, you can get fr- the COVID pill for free? <laughs> I mean, that yeah, was a test and treat. I mean, that, those are like bombshell mic drop things that ordinarily in a State of the Union you would think would be game changers for a president. But people are so sick of COVID right now, Doug. Does that is that going to burst through? Well, I'll, I'll just to let you know, I was live tweeting as we went. I did not even tweet, I don't think, about the test and treat thing. He buried the the pandemic in the middle of the speech. I mean, he was thirty or forty minutes into a sixty-two minute speech uh, before he even brought up COVID, really, uh, because that's where it is in people's top of mind at the moment. It's all about Ukraine and it's about inflation and crime and and the economy and. Thank God the pandemic is getting better and we hope it will continue to. So it's not the thing that's going to move the needle as much. And he can, you know, these we're talking about, uh, they may seem like bombshells, but they're sort of gradations of what we've already got. Okay, you'll get test and treat. Okay, well, you can get more tests. Do, you, do we need more tests? I mean, people aren't needing to test as much. I've still got the ones that I got from the government a few weeks ago sitting in a drawer. We haven't needed them. So Same. Same um, the demand for, for that is, is, is you can get a test anywhere now. It's easy. You can get it ordered online. It'll come the next day. The government once took almost four weeks for me to get them. So, um, you know, those things at the moment, thank heavens, are not as important to people. Getting the kids in school and taking off the masks, though, that that's very important to a lot of people. And uh, that's why he was hitting on that. But then you heard the Republican response, which really focused on the way Biden and the Democratic governors have handled COVID over the last year or two compared to uh, the way the Republican governors have. And that clearly they were they were previewing what their argument is going to be for the rest of this year, that Democrats took away your freedoms and saw no greater result than we did where we let you live your life. Yeah. The GOP response was interesting. Um, the governor of Iowa delivered the GOP response. And in all fairness, that's probably, I think, one of the most difficult jobs in all of politics is to do that. You come off the the grandeur of the most powerful human on the planet delivering this speech in the the center, the cradle of democracy in, in the United States Capitol to standing in front of a green screen somewhere after the fact. But, I mean, right off the top, she says, I don't know what Joe Biden's talking about, I'm paraphrasing, of course, but... What is he talking about right now? All I see is an America that reminds me of the late 70s. And there she goes right. into 70s inflation, gas prices, the Russians. the Soviet threat. And it's like, okay, I don't know if I need to hear anymore because I already know what the message is. Every single problem they can, and it's their job to, pin it on Joe Biden. And I mean, you want to go like in every, you know, facet any any part on the range of problems on the spectrum of problems that a president can have joe biden has it right in his lap right now that's what stood out to me about the gop responses they can they've got this grab bag of things they can just reach out or reach in and pull one out and just tack it to joe biden and make a decent case in the eyes of many americans what did you make of the gop response well, that's the problem for him is that there's so much going wrong, even if it's not his fault, even if none of it is his fault. People feel like things are going badly. And therefore, when they are, as we all know, you blame the people in charge. Who's in charge? Joe Biden and the Democrats. Now, they can't vote out Joe Biden in November, but they can remove the Democrats from control of Congress uh, and block his agenda. And that's why this looks so bleak for the Democrats in 2022, because so much is going wrong that can be blamed on him, whether fairly or unfairly. Her speech, as I said, you know, the whole COVID argument um, 
you know, she dispensed with Ukraine fairly quickly because there isn't too much to say there except to say that he, he didn't read the tea leaves and he could have kept this from happening. But um, the COVID argument is going to be very strong and for them. Uh, they think it is. We'll see where we are with the pandemic in November. But the economic argument is going to be center stage. We don't know how long Ukraine's going to go on. This could easily turn into a long, drawn, dragged out thing in Ukraine where people stop paying so much attention mm-hmm. uh, and the pandemic could, could, could dissipate. And then it's all going to be about the economy and crime. It's going to be about quality of life. How much am I paying for gas? How much am I paying for food? Uh, am I going to get mugged on the street? How bad is homelessness? And that'll be what it'll come down to. Um, and I thought, as you said, her whole speech, I mean, turning back the clock, they're going to say Joe Biden. Now, often what you hear in an election is don't vote for him. He'll take you backwards. I'll move you forwards. They're going to be able to say Joe Biden has already taken us backwards. I mean, that's going to be their case. Look, it's we're back to the Soviets, except they're the Russians now, but they maybe they're recreating the Soviet Union. We're back to gas lines and runaway inflation. That is their case today. If it'll still work in November, we'll see. But it's very clear that's the direction they're going to take. Never a dull moment. That's for sure. Doug? That is for sure. (laughs) uh, Appreciate it, as always. Doug Sovereign is uh, our political reporter for KCBS Radio. Great stuff, as always. Thank you, sir. Thanks, Matt. Thanks for having me. Thanks again to my colleague, Doug Sovereign, KCBS Radio political reporter. You can follow Doug on Twitter at Sovereign Nation, S-O-V-E-R-N. And thank you for listening. New episodes are out every day, and we'd love to be part of your daily routine. You can subscribe on the Odyssey app, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or anywhere you listen. That's it for today's Bay Current. I'm Matt Pittman, and we'll chat with you again tomorrow. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.